0: How long will it take for the Falcons to know what they have in Desmond Ritter? And can the current state of the Falcons 53-man roster tell us which spots will get upgraded in this year's draft?
1: You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, aka Mr. Drew, aka Sirius Black, and of course the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day, and we thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, make sure to be part of that group of everydayers that subscribe and listen every single day. Make sure you subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So later in today's episode, you're going to hear me break down my prediction for what the Falcons 53 man roster would look like if they were to play a game this week. And that's going to give us an idea of what they will be doing next week in the draft. Uh, And so we'll get into that later in the episode. But first, we'll talk a little bit about the quarterback position. Uh, Those of you that didn't know, the Falcons brought in C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, for a top 30 visit today on Wednesday, which I believe is the final day in which teams can conduct visits. And now it's cut off, and basically it's all about collating all that data that the teams have gathered over the last nine months about these prospects and put it together for a draft board. And while the Falcons have visited with multiple quarterbacks and shown some interest in multiple quarterbacks this offseason, I sit here today 99% confident that the Falcons will not draft a quarterback in this year's draft. And I think a lot of this, including their visit with CJ Stroud, is mostly due to due diligence and or gathering information about this year's quarterback class in large part due to, I think, You want to know what you're passing on since I expect the team to pass on a quarterback. And I think the Falcons are going to give Desmond Ritter a full season to develop so that they know what they have at that position before making any bold moves. And that brings us to our first guest on today's episode, which is Matt Waldman, who writes the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And Matt did a excellent job in my recent conversation with him, breaking down what the Falcons need to see from Desmond Ritter over the course of this season and sort of a timeline of how to evaluate him uh, to before they can make that long term decision to see if he is their franchise quarterback. And we'll jump into that conversation with Matt right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are back with another illustrious guest. He is none other than Matt Waldman, who is the creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, an annual breakdown of all the top prospects in the draft. Also, will get you geared up for who's going to be the stars in the fantasy world. On the next level in the NFL, we've had Matt on here many times in the past to talk about running backs. We'll probably continue to have that conversation on today's episode. But Matt is not just limited to just talking about the running back position. He has quarterback opinions and wide receiver opinions, and we'll get all of those as well coming up on today's episode. So, Matt, I want to welcome you back to Locked on Falcons.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I always look forward to this with you, Aaron.
0: So, you know, everybody talks about the quarterback position and we'll start talking about the quarterback position. We'll talk a little bit about some of the quarterbacks in this upcoming class. But as a baseline, Matt, we just had an interesting conversation right before we jumped on um, about Desmond Ritter. And you had some interesting thoughts on sort of the idea that the Falcons are rolling with Desmond Ritter and... Uh, how that's going to play a part in his evaluation heading into year two. So uh, I'll just give you the floor to just basically repeat what you told me uh, a few minutes ago.
1: Sure. And I think the idea is that if the Falcons decide to roll with him, the rationale is, is that they really don't know what they have yet with him and they want to give him a chance. Because in the NFL, the dynamic that I've learned from talking with other scouts and former scouts and people who worked in um, – you know, personnel departments a little bit higher up than the scouts. Generally, what happens in the NFL is this, is that rookie quarterbacks need somewhere between about 18 to 30 games for teams to really know what they have. Um, And the reason is this, is that you look at the college players film, and then when he transitions to the NFL, he's learning all the new offensive packages. He's learning to identify new New coverage looks and disguises, and also be able to understand the types of disguises and tells that savvier defenders do, and and acclimate to the speed and athletic ability of the game overall. So, with all that going on, usually in the first, you know, six to ten games, you just want the quarterback to not have breakdowns with fundamental techniques that they've exhibited that they can do because their mind swimming, and when you start thinking too much you start to see these breakdowns. Um, If they do that well, they often perform pretty well because defenses play rather, I don't say basic, but more just straightforward with what their scheme is. Um, And so you often see rookie quarterbacks who have early success. People get excited about them in the public saying, you know, these guys look great. They're, you know, they look exactly like they did on tape. And then what happens is that scouting departments for NFL scouting, Usually they do about four to six weeks of tape and then coaches start using that four to six weeks later, that buildup to say, okay, we're facing Desmond Ritter and you say he started in week one, you know, we'll just say in theory. Um, and then week six, week seven, they go, we're going to start trying to implement some things that we've seen in our game plan. So that early success is kind of against straightforward looks and then Bit by bit each week coaches go look at the scouting reports of accumulated weeks and say, we don't think he can do this. And we have the personnel that we think can stop it, the scheme that can stop it. So we're going to try these things. We're not going to try the whole throw the whole kitchen sink at him because if we completely change up our game plan and fail, then, you know, that's not going to be effective and we won't know exactly what we missed on or what we, what we did well. So they'll, well, incrementally implement things week by week teams will start looking at those next those previous weeks and say okay that didn't he didn't do well with that let's keep let's use that we can do that too but we also think we can do this now and then it gets to a point that there's a book on a player and you know you've seen this with Baker Mayfield Drew Locke um, Mitchell Trubisky um, Zach Wilson a number of younger quarterbacks who maybe some of them started off strong and then they start to kind of degrade in performance over time because defenses incrementally over those next 8 to 18 games start to say, all right, we think we know what we can do against you, and then there's a book on these guys. And, if they, and then it's between games 18 to 30 where you want to see them say we can either overcome what the defense had a book on us for by um, just getting acclimated to the different looks that we hadn't seen, um, or can we get better as players and and just become overall better? So those early looks, when they're having success, the quarterback is basically showing that they could do what they did at college. Then the NFL's testing to say, can you can you do it in the pros, at the pro level with adjustments, and can you get better? And those guys who get better are your second and third contract guys, the guys who stay the same. You know, they're probably NFL caliber players, maybe even NFL caliber starters, but they're maybe not guys you consider franchise quarterbacks. And the ones who can't make it after you know once the adjustments happen and they their their uh, play degrades and continues there, they're backups, you know, or journeymen at best.
0: Yeah. So, uh, with that in mind, is there kind of like a sweet spot for this upcoming season if Desmond Ritter's the starter, where we should be really paying attention? to how he's dealing with how NFL defenses are trying to throw different things at him.
1: I would estimate after week seven from basically week seven to on, if you see, if you start to see a dip between week seven and 10, but he can kind of come out of that and start to build better play, at least, at least in the last four to five games of the season, then there's some promise there. Um, But the things I would be looking for is, Knowing when when not to throw certain leverage points, um, especially with defenders over the top of him, um, playing over the top, um, and whether he's making decisions rooted that are quick enough and accurate enough rooted in um, the leverage of the defender on the receiver, and whether he can read that fast enough to make those decisions with the various disguises and different things that they're going to try and do with him.
0: So I want to thank Matt Waldman for joining me. And that was the kickoff of our conversation. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you heard Matt's thoughts on this upcoming uh, wide receiver draft class, and we might get into Matt's thoughts on the rest of the quarterback class, as well as the running back class in the lead up to the draft over the next week or so. Uh, but we'll leave that aside and we'll move forward on today's lockdown Falcons to break down the Falcons current 53 man roster to see where their needs are heading into next week's draft and we'll do that coming up on today's lockdown falcons but guys you know in addition to the draft next week there's something exciting coming along this weekend at built.com on april 22nd i don't have all the details yet but the excitement is real and it's something that you don't want to miss if you know how built works they have the most incredible protein bars in the world and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in a limited quality quantity, so mark your calendars and head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what the hype is all about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is, and if you can't wait, then you can still head on over to built.com and try all their current flavors, and when you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order. So, uh, guys, we're continuing today's Locked on Falcons, and I want to give a special shout out to all my everydayers, everybody that checks out this podcast each and every day. And if you aren't subscribed to Locked on Falcons, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your preferred podcast platform. But today, of all days, is a great day to be subscribed to Locked on Falcons on YouTube because today we're going to have graphics. And, you know, I'll do my best for the audio listeners to describe what. I'm showing on the screen, but this is a great opportunity to head on over to Lockdown Falcons, hit that subscribe button, smash that like, as they say here on these YouTube streets and we're going to be breaking down the uh, Falcons roster. And I'm borrowing a page from my good friend, Kyle Krabs, a host of locked on dolphins, as well as the host of the locked on NFL scouting podcast alongside Joe Marino, host of locked on uh, bills and the locked on NFL scouting uh, podcast with the draft dudes. And what Kyle does often on locked on dolphins is he does frequent roster breakdowns. He sort of has these graphics and color coded evaluations. And I'm basically borrowing Kyle's system here. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully in, in the coming months, we'll probably upgrade the quality of graphics here on the podcast. But I will, you know, in the meantime, we'll just have to deal with my, you know, bad looking Excel spreadsheets uh, here on the podcast. So let's start with the offense. And what Kyle does is he has nine categories for evaluation and they're color coded. So blue is roster cornerstone. And for the offense, the two players that I put in that category, Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom, the light blue are quality starters. There are three, that's Drake London, Tyler Algier, and Kyle Pitts. I think all three of those guys have a chance to uh, uh, ascend to the roster cornerstone level by years in, but they're not quite there yet. Green is rookies uh, and we'll circle back to that position. But those are spots where I think it's likely if you're looking at the depth chart that I think it's likely that you'll see the Falcons draft players next week. Uh, yellow is an adequate starter on the offense as Jono Smith, Drew Doman, Caleb McGary, and Keith Smith. Orange is a replacement level player. That is Mac Hollins, Scotty Miller and Matt Hennessy. Purple is quality depth. That's Kadero Hodge, Jermaine Effetti. Parker Hesse, Taylor Heineke, Avery Williams, and Cordero Patterson. And red is not a roster caliber player. Unfortunately, Jonathan Harrison, I'm sorry, I had to throw you under the bus in that regard. Pink is an incomplete evaluation. These are players that due to lack of injury, lack of experience, lack of playing time, we don't quite know what category to fit them under. A lot of these guys are young ascending players, as you see on the offense. That's Desmond Ritter. That's Jalen Mayfield, John Fitzpatrick, Caleb Huntley, due to him coming off of that Achilles injury. We don't quite know if he's quality depth or he's more than that or less than that. And then the gray is just the practice squad and developmental players. That's pretty much everybody else on the Falcons uh, roster and the notable players on the offense that were, Uh, Categorized as grays are Frank Darby, Felipe Franks, Joshua Miles, uh, Justin Schaefer, Ryan Newsel, Ethan Greenidge, Jared Bernhardt, Logan Woodside and Clint Rakovich. And and I think. You know, when you look at this graphic. If you see players in bold capital letters, those are players that I think if the season had to start tomorrow and the Falcons had to make their 53-man roster, those are guys that I would say right now are best likely, most likely to make that 53 roster. You will also notice on your screens that some players have a lock icon next to them. That means they are locked to make the roster because I believe that their contracts are structured in a way that it's not realistic for the Falcons to be able to cut that player this summer uh, even if they don't necessarily play well and then there's the money bag and i use that as a safe bet which means as a player that assuming they stay healthy in camp they're a fairly safe bet to make the roster but i just didn't feel good about making them a roster lock because it is possible for the falcons to move on so when you look at the offense you will see 13 roster locks you will see five safe bets so that's basically 18 players Out of the 25 offensive players that the Falcons are likely to keep, uh, we can pretty much pencil those or write them in a pen in terms of making it. So that means about seven roster spots are up for grabs. None of those exist at the quarterback position. Uh, As I've said before, 99% likely that the Falcons are not going to add to that quarterback room. You know, running back is one of the spots where there is a potential roster spot available. That is for that fourth running back spot where Caleb Huntley is currently penciled in you know I do think it is possible that the Falcons will draft a running back Uh, of course we'll always mention the possibility of taking Texas running back Bijan Robinson in the first round but I know some of you guys will be surprised by hearing me say this based off of my Twitter rhetoric but if I was betting money I would not bet on the Falcons taking a running back in round one or at any point in this draft but I do think putting a rookie here is makes sense because you know we don't quite know what we have in Caleb Huntley coming off of that Achilles injury. You know, Cordero Patterson is obviously aging player and, you know, Avery Williams is more of a special teams player. So getting another running back in the room that can, you know, long term share the load with Tyler Algier makes a ton of sense. But in terms of making this year's roster, that rookie probably will have to add some value on special teams because, Algier and Williams and and CP are already little roster locks. And there's no guarantee that, you know, assuming Patterson is going to be healthy, at least at the start of the season, that rookie is going to get playing time, you know, a player that, you know, if you're familiar with Bijan Robinson, you may also be familiar with Roshan Johnson, the Texas running back. He is a player that does have a lot of special teams experience, does fit the type of flavor that the Falcons take. So if I was sitting here betting money, I'd say the Falcons either take the Texas running back in the first round, B. John Robinson, a Texas running back in the middle rounds and Roshan Johnson, or they might take a flyer on a running back late in the draft. Or we might see them prioritize this position similar to what we saw in Arthur Smith and Terry Finals first off season here when they went out and got JV and Hawkins as a priority free agent. And that guy will come in and push Caleb Huntley for that fourth running back spot moving on to their fullback position. While I'd love to see the Falcons draft a player here, I think they're pretty content with Keith Smith and Clint Rakovich there. Uh, wide receiver is definitely a need. They're likely to keep six wide receivers on the roster. London, Hollins, Scotty Miller, Kadero Hodge are very likely to make it. So that leaves about two spots available. One of those spots I think will obviously come from a w- rookie that will come in and potentially be that number two wide receiver uh, because every other wide receiver on the roster, at least in their top six currently on the depth has besides drake london of course um has special teams experience the falcons won't need to prioritize special teams value for this position like it would be with the running back position for that guy to have an active role on game days and so my best guess for the falcons they're going to draft a wide receiver probably on day two Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, Rasheed Rice from SMU, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. You heard uh, Mingo and Tillman get mentioned by Savion Mixon. Mingo got mentioned by a lot of people on yesterday's episode. So I think those guys make a ton of sense. If Tyler Scott was to fall to the Falcons in round three, I think he would certainly be in the mix. Another player that was mentioned by Savion Mixon on yesterday's episode, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. And so I think you'll see the Falcons add a wide receiver. And that last, that six wide receiver spot will probably boil down to a camp battle between Frank Darby and Jared Burr. Bernhard and the loser of that competition will probably wind up sticking on the practice squad. Now, tight end, um, you know, there's probably going to keep four tight ends. There's one spot available. You can never put it past Arthur Smith to draft a tight end if a good one is available as a good draft class. But I think more than likely the Falcons will be content to have that fourth spot be up for grabs between John Fitzpatrick and Felipe Franks. Uh, but we'll have to sort of see about that. Offensive line, they're likely to keep nine offensive linemen. I think there are six players currently that are safe or roster locks right now, which leaves three spots open. One of those spots is going to a swing tackle. Right now, Joshua Miles and Jermaine Effetti are their top two internal options. In terms of tackle depth, I think this is a prime spot for the Falcons to take a flyer on probably a mid-to-late-round tackle that will push those guys that they can, even if he doesn't necessarily win that competition, they can stash him for future years. The fact that Joshua Miles got more guaranteed money than Jermaine Effetti tells me that the latter is potentially on the roster bubble entering this summer, and his ability to play on the left side of the offensive line or lack of experience playing on the left side of the offensive line is the big reason why Effetti is, you know, uh, you know, on the roster bubble and limits his value. So I expect that rookie to come in and potentially push a Fetty off the roster guard is a big need. This to me is going to be an early round priority. I quickly Peter Skaronsky at a Northwestern is quickly becoming to me, the favorite for the Falcons first round pick after Tyree Wilson, the Texas tech defensive end, if he does not fall, but if not in round one, I could see the Falcons, Taking that guard on day two, Cody Mock of North Dakota State, Steve Avila of Texas Christian make a ton of sense. And I think if that's the case, they get that sort of day one impact starter that will potentially be the guy that will come in and push and overtake Matt Hennessy and push Matt Hennessy to that reserve role that will bump Ryan Newsel, who I currently think will make the roster if the season started tomorrow off the roster and back to the practice squad, which I think is a better place for him. And Hennessy will be more of that reserve center slash guard uh, moving forward. And so that final roster spot will come down to a camp battle as the best offensive lineman. That's where a Fetty could be in the mix uh, with a rookie tackle added. Nuzo could be in the mix. Ethan Greenidge, who the Falcons just picked up. Justin Schaefer, their six-round pick a year ago, Tyler Vrabel, who's on the practice squad. Any one of those guys, if one of those guys, you know, emerges in training camp, could fight out for that ninth and final uh, offensive line spot. So that's my breakdown, guys, of the offensive side of the ball and we'll flip the script and talk about the defensive side of the ball you guys can see my handsome face now i know you've missed it so much so let's move the conversation forward and wrap up today's lockdown falcons by breaking down what i think the falcons defensive depth chart will wind up looking like, as to see where their key needs are at that position So, guys, continuing today's Locked on Falcons, once again, want to give a shout out to all my everydayers that make us their, uh, you know, daily first listen on a daily basis. And and if you haven't already, go to your preferred podcast app or platform and, you know, give us a five star review. If you're on watching on YouTube, of course, give us a like as you do. So let's flip the script. Another, you know, graphic for the defensive side of the ball and going through the different categories, the roster cornerstones on the defensive side of the ball. A.J. Terrell, Grady Jarrett. Quality starters include David on Yamada, Kaleas Campbell and Jesse Bates. I hope that we can elevate Bates to a roster cornerstone by years end, but we don't want to be too premature at that point. uh, Moving forward, adequate starters include Casey Hayward, Lorenzo Carter, Richie Grant, Caden Ellis, and Bud Dupree. And we'll see if you know Grant can make a jump to a quality starter. Same thing for Caden Ellis. Replacement level players include Eddie Goldman and Mike Hughes. Quality depth include Jalen Hawkins, Michael Walker, and Taquan Graham. Uh, Incomplete evaluations again, a bunch of young players this is Troy Anderson Jeff Okuda Arnold Ebiketti D Alford D'Angelo Malone Darren Hall I think this is a big year for those guys especially those guys that are potentially going to make that year two jump uh, guys like Darren Hall make a year three jump and of course Jeff Akuda this is kind of his year two given that his first two years in Detroit are injury plague type of season so this will be a big year for his long-term outlook in the league and then we have a whole bunch of practice squad and developmental guys. The notable names that you will see included are Jamal Peters, the CFL corner that they picked up at Timmy horn, Jalen Dalton, Nate Landman, Tay Davis, Dorian Etheridge and Cornell Armstrong. So that includes 14 locks and two safe bets or so a total of 16. That means nine defensive roster spots are potentially up for grabs heading into the summer. We'll start from the back end of the secondary uh, of the defense and move closer to the line of scrimmage. The safety position, you have two spots up for grabs. I think Hawkins is very likely to land one, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities The Falcons might move on from him um, as they did with Dean Marlowe a year ago. But, you know, I think that fourth spot almost certainly will be a draft pick. And I expect this to be a guy that will be targeted in the mid rounds, round three, round four, someone that can come in and contribute as a big nickel and dime looks that I expect the Falcons to deploy a lot more. Someone, you know, Hawkins might have that spot, you know, this year, but I think certainly the Falcons want to position themselves so they can make a smooth transition in the event that Jalen Hawkins entering a contract here is not retained next offseason with that third safety cornerback uh i currently projected the falcons to keep eight corners right now uh it's probably going to only be seven at most once we get to camp but i think four of those spots are up for grabs i think we've long assumed that the falcons would take a cornerback in this year's draft but i am backing off that prediction in light of the jeff akuda i know i've gone back and forth on that you know they're they're scratching cornerback off the list well it's still you know an option and then scratching it back off the list i still think it's a possibility and certainly if the board falls a certain way early in the draft i could definitely see the falcons pulling the trigger on a cornerback you'll note that casey hayward is not listed as a roster lock or a safe bet and that's just due to the fact that if the falcons do get that early round corner in rounds one or two I could see the possibility of the Falcons uh, cutting him after the draft, similar to what they did last year with running back Mike Davis. But more than likely, I think the Falcons will – be content to stand pat, let Hayward and Akuta compete for the spot opposite Terrell. I think Hayward will obviously be the front runner. And I think the Falcons kind of want to see what they have in a Jeff Akuta, similar to what we're talking about with Desmond Ritter, wanting to see what they have in him. I think the Falcons don't want necessarily are going to pull the trigger on a cornerback. They're not going to draft the corner just to draft a corner. They have to feel good about that. And I think, you know, with the amount of options that they have in uh, the depth that they have with Peters and Hall and Alford and Armstrong, all those guys will be competing, uh, be a very competitive camp at corner. And so I could see the Falcons adding to that position, but I don't think the Falcons necessarily need to draft the corner. Uh, it's more of a want than a need at this point in time, given all the bodies that they have. If we move down to the middle of the defense, the off ball linebacker position four guys right now, I have making the roster, but it's likely that we'll see them add a fifth linebacker in the draft that will be likely making the team, and that will probably push their eighth-corner off the roster uh, to replace that guy. And the depth, that linebacker is very thin. Tate Davis is primarily a special teams player. I don't think you can expect him to play a ton of snaps in the event of an injury. We know Michael Walker is a capable backup, but he's entering contract year. So again, similar to Jalen Hawkins' conversation, you want to have a guy that's ready to go to be that third linebacker in the event of an injury. And so I think the sweet spot for a linebacker in this draft is probably one of those two picks in round four. And there's a bunch of guys. And maybe as we get closer to the draft, I'll start – dropping some names. Cause I've been doing a little bit more research over the last couple of days as I've been trying to figure this out. We could also see, you know, jumps for Nate Landman, Dorian Etheridge. We'll see about that. Uh, but you know, I think they're more likely to push Davis for that last roster spot to play special teams than necessarily replace the option that the Falcons have using that mid round pick. Let's move to the edge rusher position Four locks here, right? Carter Malone, Ebiketti, Dupree are all locks to stake on the roster. Because of their contracts, and this is why you don't hear me buying much on the Nolan Smith hype that's recently taken the fan base by storm, at least certain sectors of Falcons Twitter that seem to think that Nolan Smith is likely to be the pick. I just feel like it's overkill at this point. I could be definitely wrong, wouldn't be the first time, probably only be like the fifth time in my life I've ever been wrong about anything with the Atlanta Falcons. And just in case you guys don't realize, that's sarcasm I'm using so you can see my face. That's sarcasm. But, um, you know, the fifth time I've been wrong about a thing, just to me, Nolan Smith is just basically a redundant pick in terms of what you already have in D'Angelo Malone. You can certainly say Smith is a better prospect than Malone at this point in time. But, you know, again, I could be wrong. And the Falcons could absolutely fall in love with Nolan Smith. But I just to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the Falcons to draft basically a rich man's version of D'Angelo Malone with a top 10 draft selection when they already have those spots mostly filled. So I think the edge rusher position is something that the Falcons will punt to next year because they do want to see what they have in Ebiketti, what they have in Malone. That's a big part of this conversation is a lot of these players that are in pink. It's a big year for these guys to get evaluated. I think the Falcons will not necessarily feel as compelled to throw more bodies and more draft picks at some of these positions where you see some of these players in pink in this draft. And let's move forward to the defensive line where there are five guys that are locks and safe bets, leaving potentially one spot up for grabs. Note, there's two possible rookies If you're looking at the depth chart that I have here, I think one of those is almost certainly going to be that big defensive end to basically play behind Calais Campbell as his heir apparent. Right now, if the season were to start today, I think Jalen Dalton would be the guy that would be their top option. I know Ryan Nielsen has a history of Jalen Dalton, but I I can't imagine the Falcons are like, yeah, Jalen Dalton's going to be our starter so this is where tyree wilson comes into the conversation this is where i think miles murphy the clemson defense end, potentially in round one make a lot more sense to me than nolan smith does the georgia outside linebacker if the falcons don't get that guy in round one in day two, Keon White of Georgia Tech later in the draft, guys like Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri, Vilami Fajoko out of what San Jose State, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or other guys that if, you know, that gets pushed back later in the draft, I could see the Falcons targeting one of those guys. I do think there's a possibility that we will see the Falcons add another D tackle in the draft, someone that can be that type of nose tackle. A uh, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin on day two makes a ton of sense. So does Siaki Ika uh, of Baylor. Keandre Coburn of Texas in the middle rounds, Broderick Martin of Western Kentucky a little bit later in the draft. I don't think this will be as big a priority because Eddie Goldman's contract is structured in a way that it's mostly guaranteed. So if he's ready to play, he'll be a safe bet to make the roster as I indicated on this depth chart in this graphic. But I do think the Falcons want to find his heir apparent in this draft and have that guy ready to go in the event that Eddie Goldman decides, you know what, that Georgia heat ain't for me. I'm going to retire again or whatever, or he decides to walk away at the end of this season. Um, And it's kind of similar to running back. If they don't get that player in the draft, I would expect that to be a priority free agent. That will be one of those guys that has a, know one of these undrafted rookies potentially that has a better than average chance to make the roster if the falcons go in that direction so that is it guys for our graphics today i hope you bear with me again hopefully in the future we'll be able to upgrade these and this will be you know we'll have like zooms and, and all it doesn't matter but in summary Given the current state of the Falcons roster, I feel very confident sitting here a week ahead of the draft, and we'll see if the Falcons make more moves in, in over the next eight days. It seems unlikely at this point in time that they will. Most teams rarely do that. We did see Alamade Zakiya sign with the Eagles today. Um, you know, and you know, that was kind of expected. I've been hearing Eagles people talk about. OZ being signed by the Eagles for like basically a month now. And so that finally did happen uh, today, but you know, given where the current state of the Falcons roster is, I feel pretty confident. The Falcons will walk away from their draft this year with at least a wide receiver, a left guard, a big defensive end, a linebacker and a safety, those five spots, you know, I'm not going to say they are locks to get drafted, but, you know let's say very safe bets for the falcons to find bodies at those positions in the draft and then you have the options of corner and nose tackle and running back and swing tackle i think those are likely on the docket as well and i think the falcons will be probably taking a best player available strategy at those nine uh positions and right that's how their draft board will be built they'll just take the best player at those nine spots and we'll see how it goes but I feel like the Falcons will try their best to fill as many of those positions as they can in a draft and certainly if we see an early round draft trade back where they can pick up you know those fifth six round picks that are currently missing that will allow them the opportunity to get all of those positions because again currently the Falcons have seven picks in this year's draft after trading that fifth for Jeff Okuda trading the seventh for John o. Smith and whatnot so uh don't be surprised if the Falcons do decide to trade back at some point in the first couple of rounds, particularly the first three rounds uh, to try to pick up some more picks on day three so that they can fill some of those depth roles and have a little few more bodies from this draft class entering training camp. So I hope that guys was a good enough breakdown of the Falcons 53-man roster. Again, if you were listening only to the audio version, by all means, head on over to the YouTube channel so that you can see the video version uh, uh, so you can get those sort of rudimentary crude graphics that I put out there on the Excel spreadsheet but that's going to do it for us here on today's episode guys. Tomorrow uh we'll probably get into I don't know what we'll get into but we still have unaired um you know conversations with people like Matt Waldman, uh Savion Mixon, still have some things to go with Scott Kennedy and Kevin Knight as well. So we'll see if those that's you know relevant to tomorrow uh and moving forward but I hope guys you continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe and follow for free on your preferred podcast platform. And, of course, guys, for your second listen, be sure to check out the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast and Lockdown NFL Scouting with Kyle Krabs uh, and Joe Marino, Lockdown NFL Draft with Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez, uh, all to give you more insight in this upcoming draft class. It's all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.